The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right. Well, thank you for the music this morning and uh, how uplifting it was. And it's amazing how much it really goes with my message this morning. Uh, we uh, are, are glad you're here. All of us are, and we're missing uh, your presence. And uh, hopefully we'll be back together <clears throat> before too long and be able to fellowship together uh, in person. Uh, in the meantime, we'll, uh, we'll continue the next couple of weeks uh, with this format. This morning, uh, we're going to be in a couple of different passages of Scripture. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 16 uh, and also in John chapter 20. If you are following along on your Scripture with your cell phone, we'll probably John 20 <clears throat> would be the best place to, to go and look. Uh, but I want to call this a solitary Saturday. Now, before uh, I get started, don't drop out on me because uh, the first part of this will be saying a little bit negative. But uh, as we move on, it's going to get better. We're going to have a, a great ideal about uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We have Good Friday, uh, and we all hear about Good Friday. We have a day off, and we have uh, things going on on Good Friday. Then we have Resurrection Sunday. Uh, which is today, and a lot of times uh, we've had uh, sunrise services, we have brunches and lunches and uh, all kinds of activities, but we seldom talk about Saturday, uh, the, and I, I, I've kind of chose to call it Solitary Saturday. Uh, talk about isolation, talk about uh, solitary confinement, uh, think about fear and loneliness and uncertainty and uh, what the future holds, and who knows. Uh, that's, the, that's the disciples on Saturday, uh, and that's why I was thinking about Solitary Saturday. Uh, I believe the first Easter was so great because uh, the Saturday before was so bad and so bleak. Uh, the enemies of Christ, think about how confident they were on that Saturday uh, that uh, Christ was in the grave, uh, his life was over, his tongue had been silenced, his miracles were, were going to stop, and their problem had been corrected. You know, today, even today in our society, uh, there's a, a, probably a growing number of people, we might be alarmed at how many people that, that want to silence Christ. Uh, they, uh, they're not tolerant of anything with Christ or any of his teachings, any of his miracles, and that's kind of where the enemies of Christ were. And to think about that Saturday, the only recorded activity that was happening on that Saturday, solitary Saturday, was the enemies of Christ, the Pharisees. They're the ones that were actually doing something on that day. And they're no longer concerned with Jesus. They've taken care of that problem. They're concerned with the disciples. And over in... Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 27, and starting down in verse 62, it says the next day, uh, the one uh, after preparation day, uh, that would be the Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees, they went to Pilate. Verse 63, sir, they said, we remember, now this is key, what are the, what are the Pharisees and the, uh, the, the rulers of the day remembering uh, they say, we remember that while he was alive, that deceiver, who is Christ, they're calling him the deceiver, 
course, the, the Bible calls Satan the great deceiver. So they, uh, they call Christ the deceiver. He said, after three days, I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has risen from the dead. And this last deception will be worse than the first. Their only concern was the pesky disciples at this point. They, uh, they were concerned that they may come, that they might steal Jesus' body, but there was no concern necessary for them. They, they had been scattered around. They were in, they were in hiding. They were, uh, they were in solitary confinement. They had decided that uh, they were afraid of the cross. They were in meltdown mode. They didn't know what tomorrow was holding. They were, they were scattered and they were hidden and uh, they were nowhere to be found. I think it's kind of interesting, if you would think of this, why I ask you all to go to, re, to, to remember that word. Uh, who remembered the promises of Christ? His enemies did. His followers, the disciples, they're hiding out. Uh, they're they're uh, in meltdown mode. They're they're quarantining. They're they're in solitary confinement. But the enemies of Christ said, "Hey, remember he said he was going to rise again." That Saturday, the people are scattered. Saturday had no courage. Saturday had no hope. Uh, if there was news channels then, the ABC and the CBS and the NBC and the CNNs, they would have all been uh, showing only despair, only the bad news, only the things that would have, uh, that would have said, hey, this is, this, is a, this is a bad day. This is a bad day for Jerusalem. This is a bad day for America. This is a bad day. And, and really, the, the disciples had bought into that. Uh, the end had came, and... Uh, uh, none of them were thinking, I wonder what Jesus will look like tomorrow. Or none of them were thinking, I wonder what, uh, what we'll say to Jesus tomorrow. And I wonder what Jesus will have to say to us tomorrow. We weren't hearing statements like those. Matter of fact, in nine, chapter 9, uh, uh, book of Mark, in the ninth chapter, uh, he says this, the, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed in the hands of men, and they're going to kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. None of the disciples were remembering that. And actually, you would think that in that group of men, the disciples there, and also the ladies that are there with him, somebody would have, would have remembered, hey, you remember over and over Christ told us this day was coming. Maybe somebody would have uh, said, hey, let's do the math. You know, Friday was... Uh, was day one, and, and Saturday today is day two, but what about tomorrow? It's the third day. Maybe the disciples should have been thinking, you know, let's get up early in the morning. Let's go out to the tomb, and, and let's see if Christ is risen just as he said he would, but, but we don't find that. We, we simply see that there was a group that got up early in the morning, the Bible says, and this is Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 3, and uh, here's the group that came, the, the Saturday of no courage and no hope. As Sunday comes, they come to embalm Christ. We read, I, uh, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of, Jesus, of James and Salome, they brought spices that they may go to anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, that Sunday morning, 
Just after sunrise, they were on the way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? It sure doesn't seem like an Easter parade, does it? It doesn't seem like that day of joy. There's no victory in the, the voice of the followers. There's no anticipation waiting for that Sunday morning, that resurrection day. The, the followers of Jesus, they just simply come hopeless and helpless to the tomb of Christ, simply to follow through with a ritual of embalming the body. I want to ask you, have you ever felt like that you're stuck in Saturday? You're stuck on that on that Saturday, you, uh, you feel like just you can't find anything good. It's just that Saturday, especially this year. It seems like uh, every day's rainy and there's gray skies and uh, there's bad news and uh, there's really, excuse me, there are really not many silver linings in the clouds. And we hear on the news of sickness and uh, all kinds of worldwide issues and uh, there's just no more courage. There just seems to be no more hope, uh, no reason to be positive right now. It's kind of where we are when we're stuck on Saturday. And, uh, you know, ultimately we see that death as an insult. I mean, when we think about that, I mean, we can do the best we can. We can pay our dues. We can try to live healthy. We can try to do right and help others. We follow all the rules. We do all the things we're supposed to do. And then ultimately death comes anyway. Well, let me remind you, don't tune out now. You may say, well, boy, that preacher this morning, he got on there and he talked about death and all he really did was depress me. We have enough of that. I was wanting some good news. So hold on, it's coming. It's on its way. The preacher says, well, in the end, you're going to die. You know, that's a uh, uh, death rate is at 100% for those the Bible says unless Christ comes uh, those that remain will be caught up together. But other than that, it says we're appointed once to die. And that's the truth of what the Word says. The wealthiest person to the, to the poorest person uh, is going to pass on. And uh, you know that when we think about that, uh, turn on the news. And I was really thinking, I've actually been thinking the last couple of be- weeks about what really drives our fear. And I think what drives most people's fear is the fear of death. I mean, that's what drives a lot of fear is the fear of death. You know, if we had a news channel that came out and said, uh, and I just talked a little bit about this COVID-19, it's hard not to. It's, it's everywhere you turn, everywhere you talk and listen. But let's just say the news come out and said, you know, there is uh, there's a 100% survival rate. It's a bad disease. It's, uh, you're going to be sick. You're going to feel horrible. But you know what? No one's ever died from it. We would, we would approach it completely different, wouldn't we? We'd say, oh, I can stand being a little sick. I can, I can get through that as long as I can survive this. So, so thinking about that, 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 that's really what drives our fear is just simply the fear of death. If you look at the disciples, you know what drove their fear of Jerusalem? You know that drove them to, to hide out? It was a fear of the cross. It was a fear of death. It, they said, we don't want to be uh, linked with Christ. You know, Peter, just a few days before, had denied Christ three times and said, uh, I don't even know the guy. When, when just a few hours before, he was saying, Christ, I'll go with you anywhere. But when that fear of death seized him, he got locked up on Saturday. 
He got, he got to living a life of Saturday. And, uh, you know, to think about what Christ says about that, uh, we, have a, we face death all day long. And, and as I said, don't tune out because there's good, there's, a, there's good words coming. But I want to ask you the question, uh, have you thought about how you'll face your final moments? It's not pleasant, is it? It's not a great thought to think of that. But, uh, you know, if we cower away from death, if we constantly fear death, I think we end up living on Saturdays because Christ tells us that His perfect love drives out all fear. That's what Christ's love does. It, it drives our fear out, and, and He moves us from the last day of death into the first day of life. That's our hope. That's where we find uh, a blessed hope. So of all the Easter stories, I think this is a great story when we think about Mary Magdalene, and that's in John chapter 20. We read, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She was one of the ones that went to embalm Jesus that day that we read about earlier. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. Let's pause there for just a moment. I want us to think about uh, Mary Magdalene, and I want us to think about what Mary did. That day, she buried more than a friend. That, that Mary Magdalene, she, she buried someone that, that was a, a person that helped her. Matter of fact, Christ was really one of the only persons that ever helped her. We don't know a lot about Mary in the Scripture. There's some wild speculations out there, but they're not in the Scripture. But we know that she was afflicted some way, and uh, people avoided her. We see, we see that in, in Mark chapter 16. It says this, Now when Jesus rose early on the first of the week, he, appear, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, listen to this, out from whom he had cast seven demons. So we know there was a time that Christ met with Mary, and, and she was afflicted somewhere. That number seven denotes uh, something that's perfect. It, it denotes a completion. So to think about Mary Magdalene, she was, uh, she was completely afflicted when Christ found her. She, whatever her problem was, whether it was uh, some kind of dependency, whether it was some type of, of burden she had, whether it was some type of depression, uh, people probably avoided her. You know, we tend to do that. Don't we? we tend to avoid people that way, but not Jesus. He was the one who went to her. He was the one that helped her. He was the one who delivered her. So when she came to the tomb, she wasn't merely coming to visit a friend, but she was truly coming to, to visit her deliverer. She came there and she uh, said the stone is rolled away. She noticed that. She never occurred to her what Christ had said he would do. That, that, that word that says, you know, I'm going to rise on the third day, it, it, never, it never came back to her, her memory. Obviously, she saw two angels there. That's what the scripture says. But she didn't realize that. She even missed out on those angels. There's there's times in our life, I believe, when our despair, when our desperation, the, the walls of defeat are so high that, you know, if Christ came and he gave us a miracle, we, we simply would miss out on it. I think that's what Mary Magdalene had. She simply missed out on the miracle of Christ by simply living in that Saturday of her grief, that Saturday of her depression. And uh, a lot of times we'll say as the 
as the old show hee-haw used to say, you know, I, if I didn't have any bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And there's gloom and despair and there's agony on me. You know, God could work a miracle after miracle after miracle. And we're told to count our blessings, but it just doesn't work. We just don't see the blessings. And we wonder what Jesus is doing during those times when we're uh, living in, in, the, in the Saturday of the week. We're living in that day of no hope. But listen to what Christ did. This is verse 14. It says, At this she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. She still missed him. Says she still didn't recognize it was Jesus. In verse 15, he said she thought he was the gardener. He says there, Woman, why are you crying? You see what Jesus did in this passage of Scripture? He didn't give up on Mary. Most of us would have. Most of us may have even said, well, uh, look, there's two angels sitting right in front of you. Look, the stone is gold. Come on, come on, Mary, think about it. Uh, duh, what's wrong with you? But that wasn't Christ. We, we see that Christ came. He, he came to an empty tomb, and He came with compassion, and and uh, he, he looked, and, and he looked into her, and, and as he looked into her, he saw her desperation. He saw her need. And he came, and he spoke to her. Mary, why are you crying this, this first Easter morning? Why are you crying? He, he came like a gentle shepherd. That's how Christ comes to us. He, he, he came as a shepherd. He came because that's what Jesus does. He came to her gently because... He, he is God's compassion for us. He, he came simply because he recognized that she was living in her Saturday and she truly needed a touch from the Master. Micah 7, 18, the, the prophet asks this question about God and listen to what he says. It's right along this line, this gentle shepherd ideal. Micah says this, Is there another God like you? who pardons the sins of survivors among his people. You cannot stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing mercy. And once again, you'll have compassion on us. You know, once again, Christ will have compassion on us. I'm sure there are those listening today that you're going through some struggles in life right now. You're going through some, some difficult seasons. It may be some sadness. You may be in a valley where there's some sadness. You may, be in a, you may be in a slump. It may be something really hard. It may be economic issues. It may be family issues. It may be health issues. It, it could be a job issue. It could be one problem on top of another on top of another. And it, at some point we decide, well, God must be mad at me. God's, God's angry at me and he's, he's punishing me some way. We, we've missed the God of love if that's the way we feel. Remember what, what Micah says here? He, uh, he delights in showing us mercy. He delights in having compassion upon us. So this story that we read here, we, we see that God is patient, that He's long-suffering with His children. It's, it's Saturday, and Saturday has come, but uh, Sunday is on its way. You know, that's still true today. Am I wrong? What was yesterday? We're, uh, we're what we call live streaming, so we're Sunday morning. And, and what was yesterday? Yesterday was Saturday, wasn't it? But today is Sunday, so it's still happening. It, it happened again. The Sunday's come. 
When we live in Saturday, we can look knowing that Sunday's coming. And, and Scripture says this, Psalms 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may go on during the night, but joy comes in the morning. So I want to ask you to be patient. Be, be patient with God. Be patient with yourself because there may be sorrow for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As, as Mary looked and she thought she was talking to the gardener, she said, uh, uh, they've taken my Lord away. Think about just those words that she says. They've taken my Lord away. Just, she kept calling Christ Lord. She, she recognized that in the tough times, He was still her Lord. She realized that even though that said he wasn't there in the tomb, she realized that he is Lord. And it's easy for us to call Lord during the good times, during the good days. But when things get tough, when we're living in those Saturdays, it gets difficult sometimes to, to recognize that Christ is still our Lord. He is still our Lord today. And oh, to know that Sunday's on the way, that resurrection is coming. Thinking he was a gardener, she says, Sir, if you've carried him away... Tell me where you have put him, that I may go, that I may get him. Listen to her devotion, the devotion uh, in her voice. She probably would not have physically been able to do those things, but she was so devoted to Christ that she wanted to go. She wanted to get his body. But also note that she uh, still hadn't come to the point of what happened on day three, on Sunday morning. She still, she still wasn't understanding. So, so let's move to verse 16 and and this is a great verse, and this is where we're going to close this morning. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. When she heard Jesus call her name, she immediately knew who he was. You know, someday we're going to hear Christ call our name. The Bible tells us that. Someday in heaven, when you hear your name called, these days of solitary Saturdays and these days of desperation and these days of dependency, you know what? They'll all be worth it because we're going to walk with Jesus in heaven. That resurrection, that Sunday morning, we're going to experience it and we're going to live in the light of Christ. He's going to take away our struggles. We're going to forget those things. Paul says, I reckon the sufferings of the day, they'll never compare with the riches that await us in Christ Jesus. Here's the message to you. Have you moved from Saturday into Sunday? Have you moved from Saturday into Sunday? Your heavenly Father, your, your Lord, your Savior, your, your, the Bible says uh, our Daddy that's in heaven, He knows you by name. He calls you by name. He doesn't want us to live in the, the Saturday of despair, but in the Sunday of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Max Licato says this, if anyone wants to follow God from Saturday to Sunday, he can do so. And we believe that because there was a moment in the tomb containing Jesus on that Sunday morning. And the eyes that had fallen shut on the cross opened beneath the shroud. The hands that had fallen limp behind the nail strengthened and strengthened beneath the veil. The lips which had grown quiet on Saturday spread into a soft smile on Sunday because there was much to smile about. For the penalty for sin had been paid and it was finished. And death had been defanged and turned from death from a dead-end street 
into a simple exit ramp. From this life to the next life, the best life, it was no longer Saturday, so Saturday's sadness had turned into Sunday's beauty. And the beauty of Sunday stood up in the tomb, and the beauty of Sunday stepped out into the Sunday morning dawn and told person after person what some of you are hearing him say for the first time in your life. Oh, guess what? It's Sunday, and I don't have to be afraid of the grave any longer, and I don't have to live with the guilt anymore, for my sins are forgiven. Death is defeated. It's Sunday, and that's good news. This morning, if you're uh, listening on uh, uh, the Internet, then you, you're uh, able to do this. I, I'd encourage you to, to go to maybe YouTube and look up a song. It's an old song. It's an old song. I like old Southern gospel music, and uh, this is the name of it. Then Comes the Morning. Uh, it's, a, it's a song by the Cathedral Quartet, and then came the morning. Listen to the message of that song. Because when our day seems bleak, uh, when the hope seems dim, Sunday's coming, and then comes the morning. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you that uh, as we look around today in our world, and we, there's things that we don't know, there's uh, uh, questions we have, but Father, I pray that we wouldn't be governed by fear, that we wouldn't allow it to grip us and hold us and cause us to be dependent or cause us to be depressed on someone or on something else. But, Father, we would know in you there's hope of a resurrection Savior, Lord. We know that there's a day coming when uh, all of these things we struggle with today will never compare to a riches that await your children in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd know today that simply for recognizing that we need to save, that we've sinned and we've fallen short and, and you've offered us a free gift of eternal life and we'll simply confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him to the dead, that we'll be saved. Father, we look forward to that resurrection day for each of us, Lord. I pray for hope. I pray for joy in the morning. Lord, I pray that we would seek first your kingdom, your righteousness, and in that we'd find that deep-seated joy that no one can steal. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. I just pray that this will be a great Sunday morning, Resurrection Day, and I pray that you would have a good week. Thank you for joining us.